You're listening to the King's Church DC podcast. King's Church is located in the heart of Washington DC and exists to make Jesus known in our city through enduring presence that brings personal conversion, purposeful living, and community reconciliation. We hope you enjoy the following sermon. Okay, so the church has gotten a lot bigger since I last shared this, and and some of you don't know this, but I actually live next door to somebody pretty famous. Now, when I say next door, think Capitol Hill. The houses tend to be squashed on top of each other. And so my bedroom is literally, where I lay my head is literally 16 inches from where this other individual lays his head each night. Now, who do I live next door to? Well, I live next door to the, to the good gentleman from Vermont, Senator Bernie Sanders. <laughs> now, the house is on a, uh, you can put that picture up. The, uh, the house is on a relatively busy, <laughs> busy road. Lots of, lots of cars go by, but when I first moved in, there was this one night. There was this one night. I was, I was upstairs one night, I was all by myself, and, and I heard a noise. And I heard the, the front door open and slam. And so there was no doubt in my mind that someone was, was inside my house, that somebody was breaking into my house. And so a few seconds goes by, which, which feels like forever in moments of panic, and so I, I scream, hey, get out. <laughs> and and uh, I listen, and I hear what sounded like the floorboards kind of, kind of crackling. And so I scream, hey, get out. I have a firearm. I don't actually have a gun, <laughs> but um, I hear nothing. And so, and so I'm, I'm sitting there in that moment. I'm sure there's now someone hiding downstairs, someone, someone now being very still. And so in panic, for the, for the first time ever, I grab my phone, and I, I grab my cell phone, and I, and I call 911. And they pick up, and they say, what's the emergency? And I say, I think there's someone in my house. And they're like, okay, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. And they say, what's your address? What's your address? And so I tell them, and they're like, okay, we're sending somebody. Just, just stay calm. Just, just stay calm. And so I'm freaking out. It must have been like 45 seconds, maybe, maybe a minute, and I'm up in my room, and I'm, and I'm starting to think, what if this guy comes into my room before the police officer arrives? Like, what if the cop doesn't get here in time? And so I pull my, my I'm in this, the second, second story there, I pull the, the window open, and I'm thinking I'm going to have to jump out the window if there's someone that's going to come running up the stairs before the, the, the police officer, before the police officer gets here. And so literally, no lie, as I open up my window, I literally see dozens and dozens of police officers running to my house. <laughs> Full out sprint, squad cars rolling up. Within two minutes of that call, the, the uh, DC Metro Police, the Capitol Police, the National Guard, and I'm pretty sure a helicopter <laughs> is, above, is above my house, just surrounding my house. And so I look down, and I'm, I'm still kind of hanging out on the window. I look down, and I look at the front door and it hits me. There's Amazon packages <laughs> at, at the front door. It, it, uh, all of a sudden, I, I realize, oh no, <laughs> uh, the, the delivery guy must have just opened the screen door and put the packages between the screen door and the, uh, and the, and the wooden door, and that, that all was it. Uh, needless to say, I've never been so embarrassed in my life, uh, but as I like to say, the entire Calvary arrived and shut down Capitol Hill for a little bit. This moment, I I think back uh, this morning, I think back on that moment, and I'm pretty sure I know why 
I got the response that I got. I live next door to Bernie Sanders. Next door to me is a serious two-time presidential candidate, a long-term senator, a long-term congressman, and so any threats must mean a quick response which means I have really, really good security. I have a really, really safe place that I live on Capitol Hill. Now, why do I mention all of this? I mention all of this this morning because in Psalm 91, we'll meet the God of true security, <laughs> the God who is our ultimate protector, the God who is our ultimate refuge, the God who values us, the God who loves us, the God who responds to actual threats against you and I as he runs and he sprints to us in our fears. In his kingdom this morning, there are no unimportant sons or daughters. He's our protector. He's our refuge. He's our savior. That's really going to be the main idea of Psalm 91, which also means it's going to be the main idea of this message this morning. And it'll be up on the screen, and it's this. God is our protector. God is our protector, our defender, our fortress, our God. My points are also going to be up on the screen. They're going to flow right from this passage as well this morning. And they're this. Number one, how do we take hold of God's protection? We'll see that in verse one. What are the benefits of God's protection? We'll see that in the rest of this psalm. How might we misunderstand God's protection? We'll see that just kind of asking that kind of question, and then how might we understand God's protection? In this life, knowing him, trusting him, and seeing the big picture are essential. We've all faced many things in this life. We're all going to face many things in this life, and we need the protection of God. Trust in Jesus again this morning, the one who can, who can save you, the one who can keep you forever. Let's look at this first point. How do we take hold of the protection of God? How do we take hold of God's protection? Verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a promise. If you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, you'll abide in in the shadow of the Almighty. Now, recently, the cold weather has been popping its ugly head here in Washington, D.C. I know we've had a good day or two of nice weather, but over the last weeks, the, the, the cold weather is popping its, its ugly head. The winter is coming, we might say. But just a couple months ago, we all remember the high noon heat of Washington, D.C., the, the muggy summer days of Washington, D.C. And in that heat, if you're going to have to be outside for a long time, what do you do? What do you do? Well, you look for shade. You look for shadow. And when you go into the shade, when you go into the shadow, at that moment, it makes it feel like it's, it's 80 instead of 120. It helps protect you from, from the elements of a D.C. summer day. The picture here is that God's protection is like a cool shade. God's protection is like a shadow. He protects us from the elements. He, he protects us from the scorching sun. He protects us from the threats in our past, in our present, in our future. You're in his shadow. You're in his shade. You're in his safety. Now, how do you get there? How do you appropriate the protection of God? How do we lay hold of the protection of God? How do we get in the shade of God? Well, verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter 
of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The, the answer is that you dwell in his shelter. You dwell in his shelter. Now, a shelter is a place of safety. It's a place of rest. It's a place where you can lay your head, where you feel secure. And we all have shelters, don't we? We all have things we find safety in. We all have things we find refuge in. It could be a person. It could be a job. It could be a status. It could be a fantasy. It could be a dream. It could be whatever it might be. We all have shelters, things that help us to feel secure, things that bestow upon us identity, things that give us peace. It's a normal part of life to have those. But those shelters also give us some shadow. Those shelters also give us some shade, shade that protects us as we go out and live our lives, toughness against all the threats that come at us past, present, or future. We say, as long as I have her, it doesn't matter what life throws at me. It might hurt, but I've got her. We say, as long as I've got this nest egg, it doesn't matter what life throws at me. As, as, it might hurt, but as long as I got it, it's all I need. We all have shelters, and those shelters give us some shadow, some shade in which we live. Shadow or shade that we think is going to protect us from the elements, from the hot sun. But the truth is, especially as I'm getting older, the truth of life is that the, the shadow of status, the shadow of relationship, the shadow of family, the shadow of money, the, sh the shadow of job, that might protect you from the early morning sun, things like critique, things like insult, things like being left out, things like being misunderstood, and some loss. But when that high noon sun comes, things like betrayal, things like big loss, things like even death, those shadows aren't going to do it. That sun is going to crush you. It's going to melt you. You're going to break down. For the high noon sun, you need a stronger shadow, a stronger shelter. And this morning, you can find that in where it's always been, in God your Father, the one who loves you, the one whose protection is real, the one whose protection can keep you going even in the most intense Son, And we get that when we dwell in him, verse 1. When we dwell in him, verse 1. To dwell in him simply means that in your heart, you realize that while it's okay to have some security in all those other things, ultimate security, ultimate protection is in God. You realize that all the other shelters can't give you the ultimate protection, the ultimate security, the ultimate peace you're looking for. Only in God do you find that. Only God is big enough to give you ultimate security. Only God is ultimate, uh, big enough to give you ultimate protection. Only God is ultimate to give you enough peace. Only God. Only he can do that. No other achievements, no other accomplishments can cover our guilt and shame. Only God is big enough to do that. When you begin to reorder your heart like that, when you begin to feel that ultimate trust in God, what you're doing is what we call having faith. You're putting your faith in him. You're trusting him with it all. And when you do that, God says he'll protect you. You'll dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. So that's how. That's how we begin to take hold of God's protection here according to verse 1. We put our real faith in him. We reorder our hearts to realize that ultimate things can only come from God 
we abide in him, we trust in him, we rest in him as our ultimate shelter. Not to say the other shelters are bad, but just realizing that he's forever. Now as the passage goes on, we're going to see what are the benefits of that protection. What are the benefits of dwelling in the shadow of the Almighty when we've begun to grasp it, to lay hold of it? And this passage is going to give us several of those benefits. I won't read it all at once, but I'll just say here the promises are really, really powerful. The benefits of God's protection here aren't just spiritual or just things that go on in our hearts. They're actually things that happen in real time. God's going to say here that that at least at times when we walk with him, if he wants, he can protect us from threats, from the many storms of life, from tricky situations, from bad people. He can give us victory and hope. He can be our rest. Now this passage, we'll get into it in just a second, it reminds me a little bit of the book of Acts. And Acts tells the origin story of the Christian church. It's quite, it's quite the book. And in that book, there's miracle after miracle after miracle of God's protection. In Acts 5, Peter and John, they're thrown into prison for preaching the gospel by the priests. But an angel of the Lord shows up supernaturally at night and frees them. God's protecting them. In Acts 12, Peter's again in prison for the gospel. But the church prays really, really hard for him, and an angel of the Lord shows up. And the angel punches Peter in the side and says, get up. He punches him in the rib and says, get up. And they walk right through a guard post to freedom. God protects them. And at the end of the book of Acts, Paul, he's shipwrecked on the island of Malta there in the Mediterranean Sea, and he's on the island, and some of the locals see him, and a, and a viper comes up and bites him. And the, lo- the, the text says that, that, that the locals expect for him to die, but instead he, he lives on. He's A-OK, and they think he's some ty- type of God, but what we're seeing is that God is protecting him. God is protecting him. Notice here the benefits of The protection of God. Verse 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalmist is using first person possessive pronouns. He's saying, this is my God. This is my Lord. This is my refuge, my fortress. He knows him. He has a personal relationship with God. There's intimacy there. I wouldn't say this is my Wesley or this is my Abby, but I would say this is my God. I would say this is my God. I know him. I know him, and he knows me. Verse 3 goes on. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. That is, God will rescue us from traps set against us and from deadly disease. Verse 4 goes on. It's going to give us this really strong imagery. He will cover you with his pinions, that is, his feathers. And under his wings, you will find refuge. The picture here is that God is like a bird, maybe like an eagle. He's usually pictured as, as a king or, or as a father, but here he's pictured as a bird. He comes and he covers us with his wings. His wings protect us from the elements, from the rain, from the hail, from the fire, from the threats. It's a picture of his strength, but it's also a picture of his tenderness. It's a picture of his care. Verse 4, his faithfulness is a shield and a buckler, again referring to his protection. Verse 5, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence or disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. 
you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense or the payback of the wicked. He says God's protection is so real that it's thousands and thousands of people are dropping next to you. Because you're standing in the shadow of the Almighty, you're still standing. He's still protecting you. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. He says the protection of God is massive. It's from head to toe. Because you're in his shelter, you're protected. He says his angels will even protect you. By him you can find strength to conquer your fears, to step on the lion, to step on the serpent. Verse 14 continues, but this time it switches over to God now directly speaking. Verse 14, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. My Hebrew is not too great, but that word love here is not the, the typical Hebrew word for love. It has to do with zeal or with, with deep longing. One commentator says the, the usual Hebrew word used for love has to do with love as an action, choosing to love someone. But this word here has to do with being in love. Being in love. The Lord is saying here, because he or she is totally in love with me, because they're zealous for me, I will deliver them. I will protect them because they know my name. In verse 15 and 16, when he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So it's complete protection. It's complete salvation. It's complete. He's our complete shield, our complete guard. He'll be with us. He'll rescue us. He'll honor us. He'll deliver us. He'll save us. Now, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I forget that I live in the protection of God. Sometimes you forget that you live, if you find yourself in Christ this morning, sometimes you forget that you live in the protection of God. Sometimes I forget to see it. I think back to trips, mission trips in particular. Just two years ago, several people from this church were in southern Lebanon. We were there on a mission trip, and we went through dozens and dozens of Hezbollah checkpoints. And many of us prayed silently as we went through those checkpoints, and no one was hurt on that trip. No one was hurt, no issues. Isn't that the protection of God? Or just eight years ago, I was in Kiev, Ukraine, during the, the first war, the annexation of Crimea. No issues. Isn't that the protection of God? Or just 12 years ago, I was in the, the forests of Bangladesh with a group of guys, and a, and, a, and a mob of young men accused us of blasphemy. It got ugly. But God did stuff through that. There was no issues. Isn't that the protection of God? Is that not the protection of God? in my life, in some of your lives. But more than that, this morning, do you realize, do you realize that God's probably protected you and I from so many things that we didn't even know about? Things that we didn't even know were going on? Things that could have happened? Things like injury? Things like saying something stupid? Things like losing your cool in a, in a moment from your own sin? From the impact of your own sin? From total loss? Or do you realize that this morning God's probably protected you and I from so many things we only know the half of? Things like close calls, 
Things like enemies, slander, escalating situations, bad relationships. To know him this morning means you have a hiding place in him. You have a safe haven in Jesus in this life, which means we can hide in the shadow of the Almighty through many storms. We can trust him to be our protector all the days of our lives. Now, I know this is true. We know this is true, but there's great ways to misunderstand this. And this is about to get a little bit spicy. And this leads us to our, our third point this morning. How might we misunderstand the protection of God, particularly Psalm 91? How might we misunderstand the protection of God? So the promise in Psalm 91 is if, if, if you trust in God, if, if you trust in Christ for real, that means God is going to protect you. That's the promise. He'll protect you. You'll live in the shadow of the Almighty, the protection of God. But it seems to be saying some really interesting things here, isn't it? Like, number one, it says you'll never experience violence. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. The arrows are always going to miss. seems to say you'll never experience disease. No plague will come near your tent. No pestilence. It seems to say you'll never experience disaster or any harm. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, verse 10. You won't even stub your toe. On, on their hands, the angels will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. It's funny, as I was working on this message, I, I actually bumped a little, a little poster, a little uh, picture on my wall, and it came down and sliced my foot open. And it was, Anyways, lots of blood. But it looks like this psalm is saying that if you know God, it seems like what this psalm is saying, if you know God, if you really trust God, if you really have faith, if, if, if you really walk with the Spirit, if you really love Jesus, nothing bad is going to happen to you. If you really trust God, nothing is not, life's going to go smoothly. If you, really, really, if you really abide in the shelter of the Almighty, you're filled with the Spirit, nothing, nothing is, life's going to go smoothly. You're, not, you're never going to experience violence. You're never going to experience disease. You're never going to experience harm. You're never going to stub your toe. And, and, and that's what it seems like it's saying, at least on, on the surface here. If you, if you truly know God, if you truly trust God, if you have enough faith, life's going to go smoothly. And of course, if that's true, the opposite would also be true. If your life's not going well this morning, it's probably because you don't trust God. You're not filled enough with the Spirit. You don't have enough faith. You're not, you're not, you're not spiritual enough. So if you're going through tough times, if you're, if you're waiting on the Lord, stuff like that, it's probably because you don't have enough faith. You're not abiding in, in Him enough. So is this how we should read this psalm? Is this how we should understand the Bible? And the answer is no. And I'll give you two big reasons why. There's several, but I'm going to give you two big reasons why. First, Job. <laughs> Job. The Psalms are part of the Hebrew Scriptures or the Old Testament. And there's another important book in the Hebrew Scriptures, and that is the book of Job. Job is a righteous man, if you remember. He loves the Lord. Job dwells in the shelter of the Almighty, the, the shadow of the Almighty, the shelter of the Lord. Yet Job gets tested. He experiences violence. He experiences disease. He experiences disaster. He experiences harm. All the things that aren't supposed to happen to Job, because he trusts God, happen to Job. And in the middle of the book, Job's friends come to Job, and, and they say, Job, Job, all these things are happening to you because you must have sinned. They say, Job, Job, you, you've, you've not done something you should have done. They look at Job and they, they say, the misfortune in, in his life is clearly a sign that he's not been faithful. He's not had enough faith. And at the end of the book, the, the Lord comes down 
in a whirlwind. And he looks at Job's friends in the face, and he essentially says, you lie. <laughs> he says, you've not spoken the truth about me. It's way more complicated than that. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. Job's pain is essentially not a, a lack of his, his faith. My ways are higher than your ways. So that's the first reason. That's really the first reason why we can't read Psalm 91 simplistically. Why, why we, we can't read it as if you trust God fully, you'll be fully protected from everything. But if you don't, you'll not be. The second reason is even deeper. The son of the morning, the serpent, the deceiver, Satan. This is his favorite psalm. One pastor calls this satanic exposition. Famously, Psalm 91 is the only psalm that the devil quotes in the entire Bible. In the Gospels, this is what Satan comes at Jesus with, Psalm 91. Satan quotes it right at him, but he twists the interpretation. He essentially tells Jesus, if, if you trust God fully, you'll be protected from everything. But if you don't trust God fully, you'll not be. Jesus is on the temple. He's looking out upon the city, and Satan whispers in his ears. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. Since it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. He's quoting Psalm 91 to Jesus. Satan's telling him, okay, if you're really the son of God, the one who truly trusts God, fully trusts God, you'll be protected from everything, Psalm 91. But if you're not, Jesus, if you don't trust him fully, you won't be protected. Now, Jesus doesn't like that interpretation. We shouldn't like that interpretation. In other words, Satan's trying to put him in a bind. He's saying, if God lets you suffer, if he doesn't protect you, you're not the son of God. If you suffer, you're not a real Christian. You're not a faithful Christian. You're not filled with the Spirit enough. You don't have enough faith. You don't have the protection of God. That's what it sounds like. Or the other option, Satan says, if you are the son of God and he lets you suffer, if he, if he doesn't, God doesn't protect you, he's not being true to his word. That is, if you're doing all these things, if you're living for the Lord, if you're following hard after God and you suffer, if he doesn't protect you, God is a liar. He's a scam. He's not good. Either God totally physically protects those who love him, or God's a liar. That's the, that's the binary that Satan's setting up. Option one or option two. Now, if you've bought into that, it's a lie. You've been played. It's going to set you up for major disappointment in God sometime in the future. You'll pull back from him. You'll be disappointed in some way. But the good news this morning is it's neither option. We have other options. We can say with Jesus, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this really leads us to our, our final point this morning. How might we understand the protection of God? If we shouldn't read Psalm 91 as if you trust God fully, you will be physically protected from everything, but if you don't, you'll not be protected, how do we understand the protection of God? How do we understand the promises like this in the Bible? I have three thoughts, three brief thoughts to close on, and they're all centered on the idea that we need to see the big picture. We need to see the big picture. The psalmist knew that sometimes God could supernaturally intervene and physically protect him. Many of us know this experientially. Many of us have seen the protection of God in our lives. But he also would have seen the bigger picture. He eventually knew that death would get him, that war or disease or sickness would take him. But in all of that, he sees the bigger picture. And he still hopes and he still longs for the protection of God. How? Well, number one, he knows God will be with him in trouble. 
he knows God will be with him in trouble. In verse 11, God says, I will deliver you. In verse 14, God says, I will be with you in trouble. That's a hint that the protection of God doesn't always mean a painless life. Instead, the protection of God, the blessing of God, means that as pain enters into our lives, God is going to be right there with us. As pain enters into your life, God is going to be right there with you. Why? Why? Because it's often through the pain that we realize that the shelter or the shade that we're standing in isn't going to last. The shelters we're hiding in aren't going to cover us the way we think they're going to cover us. And so God, who is the ultimate protector, the lover of our souls, in grace, refines us through the fire. As the elements come beating down on us, the rain and the hail, the cold, God promises to wrap us in his wings. Like an eagle this morning, God is with you in your pain. He's strong. He's tender. He's with you in the fire. And this, of course, is perfectly pictured in the cross of Jesus Christ. At the cross, God hides you in the wings of Jesus Christ. And as the rain and as the hail and as the elements come crashing down on him, you're safe in his wings, protected fully and ultimately by Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's with you in your pain. He showed you that so clearly at the cross once and for all. There's a purpose in all of it, which really leads me to my second point. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Romans 8.28 We just finished this wonderful book. Romans 8.28 says, God is working out all things for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. At times in this life, we're going to be tempted to doubt the goodness of God, the grace of God. The high noon will come. But this psalm reminds us. This psalm finds itself in the midst of a lot of other psalms, 149 other psalms and a whole other bunch of books in the bible and those other books in the bible remind us of this one thing god is in control god is in control all of history is in his hand this morning and this morning he is working out all things for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose that means that god is even taking the bad things that have come into your life The things we might be tempted to think, God's not loving me in this. God's not protecting me in this. God's taking all those things and he's turning them for good. Which means that because God is God this morning, someday he's going to take even the bad things that have come into your life and he's he's going to uh, bear his power on them in such a powerful way that it will be better off that it had happened than that it didn't. Let me just say that again. Because God is God and he's good, someday he's going to take even the bad things that have come into our lives, into your life, and use them in such a powerful way that it would have been better off that it did happen than it didn't. How? Because he's God. That's the ultimate defeat of evil. Taking all the bad, all the evil, and using it to accomplish exactly the reverse of what the authors intended. And of course, we see this once again most clearly at the cross of Jesus Christ. Or the one who trusts God fully is protected from nothing. Where in that moment, it looks like he's completely and forever abandoned by God, but God is up to something so powerful in that moment so that good, ultimate good, could come into the world. He knows what he's doing this morning. God is in control of your life this morning, and he's working everything for your good, for your ultimate protection. So we can understand Psalm 91 when we see the big picture. We, 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 we know that God is with us in trouble. We know 
that he's up to something. He's working out all things for our good. He's in control. But finally, we realize one more thing, that he's going to raise us to life. He's going to raise us to life. There is life after death. In Jesus, this psalm is actually best seen. God is with him in all his days. And even in apparent defeat, God delivers him, rescues him, honors him, and satisfies him with long life and salvation. That's the promise for anyone who finds himself in Jesus Christ this morning. We have the spirit of the living God living inside of us, who is a down payment of what's to come. He protects us. And yet when trouble comes, which it will, when sickness and death comes, which it will, this psalm reminds us that God will deliver us. He'll rescue us. He'll honor us. He'll satisfy us with long life and salvation forever by raising us from the dead. A long time ago, I learned about a famous missionary named Jim Elliott. In the 1950s, he and a, a couple others were sent out to Ecuador, and they went there to share the gospel. And they were murdered, uh, essentially pretty, pretty brutally, by, by some of the people in Ecuador. And his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, many years later, she takes Jim's journals, and she puts together a, a book. You'll see it up on the screen. She titles it, Shadow of the Almighty, after Psalm 91. Now, that's a little bit ironic when you think about the, the fact that Jim was literally pierced through the heart with a spear and killed in Ecuador, which is something Psalm 91 at face value doesn't, do, promises won't, won't happen. But she calls it the, the shadow of the Almighty because she was totally convinced that, that the refuge that God offers us in this, in this life is not a refuge from suffering and death, but it's a refuge through it. It's a refuge through it. A refuge from final and ultimate defeat. In the book, she, she quotes her, her husband who said, I'm immortal until my work on earth is done. And the same is true for us this morning. If you find yourself in Christ, you are immortal until your work on earth is done. There might be some painful chapters ahead, but we're immortal until our work on earth is done. Years later, one of the sons of those slain missionaries went back to Ecuador, and it's an amazing story of forgiveness and grace. He ends up leading many of those people to, to faith in Christ, even the, even the man who had killed Jim Elliott. It's an amazing story, but, but the son, he goes on saying something that I'll close with this morning that's so good. He says, Why is it that we insist every chapter of life to be good when God promises only that in the last chapter he will make all the other chapters make sense. Why is it that we insist every chapter of life to be good when God promises only that in the last chapter he will make all the other chapters make sense? God is protecting you this morning. He's protecting me this morning. If you're in him, he's working out all things for your good. And one day he'll raise us from the dead. Thank you for listening to this episode of King's Church DC podcast. If this sermon encouraged you, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast. For more information on our church and service times, please visit kingschurchdc.com. We hope you will join us again next week.